1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome to another Business Elevation show on Voice America. And I'm really, really excited to talk with you today. Uh, My colleague, John Jennings, is going to turn the table on me. We're going to talk about uh, leading people. I talk about this subject regularly. I run workshops on it. Uh, And my whole work, really, for 10 years has been about leading people, about building engaged uh, leaders, engaged teams, employees, um, helping to take uh, you know businesses to uh, the next level. So I'm in my absolute flow today, talking about this subject, and it's uh, it's great to have the opportunity to do that. I want to say though before we start, uh, a big thank you to my guest last week, Jane Handsome, uh, of, uh, of uh, on the show with Greg Phillips. Um, Jane works for a company called Sponge Marketing. She actually owns the company, uh, and they do the PR uh, for the beautiful Caribbean island of Nevis. Greg Phillips, the CEO of the Tourism Authority over there. And we had an amazing conversation, which was just so engaging and energizing about Nevis and about a concept called uh, Deliberately Different. And uh, this is the philosophy that they've adopted for the island to maintain it It as a beautiful, uh, tranquil place for uh, successful business people uh, to go for holidays and really relax with their families and, and chill out. So I would recommend you listen to that. I put a blog post out as well on that. If you can go to chriscooper.co.uk with some of the key points. Um, but really a, a fantastic uh, opportunity to talk to those people and, and really see a, a different way of actually doing things. So um, do go and uh, take a listen to that in the archive if you have not already. You can see I'm still energized about it. I've got it, Nevis on my mind map sorry, and my, um, also my vision board to one day have the opportunity to go and holiday there. So how do you best lead people? A client of mine recently described people as an enigma. However, like the story of the Enigma code, and uh, if you don't know the Enigma code, you can Google that. There's also a code that can help, I think, when it comes to people. Uh, so during this interview, I'm going to be interviewed uh, by my colleague John Jennings on this subject. And it is something that's very, very close to my heart. And I will probably explore a little bit of that too and why. And we're therefore going to have a deep con- uh, discussion with, with John. Uh, John Jennings um, is a colleague of mine. We work together. He's a friend. Um, he's an employee engagement, a leadership, a team development expert. And he's had 34 years leading de- and developing teams. He's led teams globally. He's worked for major brands in the UK, also in California. Uh, he also regularly lectures and presents on um, on, on um subjects which are around business leadership and placing uh, people and having employees at uh, the centre and the heart of your business strategy. And I've seen him do that many times. We've done that together many times. And he's a really um, super, uh, super expert. He's also a fellow of the Institute of Directors. And he currently, as I say, works alongside myself, delivering employee engagement, strategy and programmes, leadership programmes and team programmes. So delighted to really
2: hand over uh, the mic to you, uh, John. Well, Chris, what a welcome. Thank you very much indeed. and uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to whoever you you may be listening to us from. and for those of you who uh, who are maybe new to the program, a warm particularly warm welcome for you and and uh, I'll now take the opportunity to uh, repay the compliment to Chris, tell you a little bit about him and 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 really about chris Cooper business elevation because um uh, our business looks to, as Chris has already alluded to, really we we, we act as a, a catalyst to to support the transition of businesses, leaders, and teams. So that's your business, your teams, and you to uh, to high levels of performance. And Chris himself has got over twenty five years' experience of uh, leading and developing UK and international teams. Uh, and of course, those of you who may be regular listeners to the show know that. Um, Chris has been hosting the Business Elevation show for almost seven years. Um, And incidentally, uh, we're we're very proud, and Chris is particularly proud, to say that it's the most listened to show on Voice America Business in the last 12 months, which is fantastic. So for people who regularly tune in, thank you very much for for your support and listening to us because uh, we we get a a great deal of uh, pleasure out of that. Um, So during that seven years, Chris has gained some tremendous insights from some amazing people. Uh, and we've got over 285 hours of, uh, of content, which anybody who wants to visit chriscooper.co.uk can can download and listen to at their leisure. Um, and uh, what's um, going to be particularly enjoyable for me today is that is that it's time to turn the tables on Chris um, and for me to put him on the spot and, and ask him some questions um, and hopefully make this a really rich interview for, for you guys listening uh, and for anybody who really wants to start to understand how to... Um, to lead people effectively. So, um, so let's go, Chris. First of all, what really got you interested in people and leadership?
1: Well, I think I've been not realizing it at the time, but I've been, you know, from a very young age, uh, an observer of people's behaviour, and and I, you know, can take that back to in you know, my parents, through to members of the family, but there's also a you know, particular incidents at school, which I'm sure those people who are listening can think of those too, you know, teachers who maybe, you know, really believed in you, gave you tremendous support and uh, those who didn't and uh, you know, a number of teachers that I remember having conversations with who didn't see the potential in me or um, actually, if I'm honest, one or two were downright abusive uh, as, uh, as teachers and I don't think we'd be allowed to teach today. But I lo- you know, look at those sorts of behaviours and saw the impact that they had on, on groups and teams at university. There was a particular lecturer. I remember Mr. Finnegan, who was uh, a law lecturer, and he just had us in his, the palm of his hand. You know, people were leaving the business course to do law because of him. And then he got moved on to another course, and we got a, a lady who took over, who was about as engaging as a wet rag, to be honest. She just um, <laughs> she 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 just sucked the atmosphere out of the room, and then got angry because people weren't engaged. And then I, I remember doing um some time. Uh, as uh, a student sort of laboring in the Scunthorpe Steelworks, where my dad worked, and my word, there were some characters there. Uh, so all these um, different sort of situations and scenarios, I think, and then through my career, I had um, at my first ever job as after graduating. I remember a sales director sort of retiring that week and coming to my desk and saying, Chris, can I leave one message with you? Chris, people are everything. Then he walked off and retired <laughs> and left me with that for 25 right. years. But I've, I've really reflected on that since. And um, I've become a, you know, a great observer, I think, of people. The show enabled me to talk to all sorts of different people too. And um, right. I, I just feel – and I've led teams as well, um, obviously, since. But we can maybe talk a bit more about that later in the show.
2: Sure, sure. It, funnily enough, when you just mentioned about the lady who sucked the, uh, the positive atmosphere uh, out of everybody um, – when I worked in the U.S., uh, my colleagues on the West Coast, there in uh, in Orange County and uh, and uh, in, in Southern California, introduced me to a, a completely new uh, uh, concept and saying. They said that those such people were mood hoovers, which I've always um, uh, sort of treasured that particular saying because they sort of hoover the good mood out of uh, everybody. And, uh, and my daughter came up with a great expression as well. I don't know where she got it from. She called them fun sponges. Yeah. I i.e. they soak up all the fun um, out of working, which is obviously a really important part of, of, of being an engaging leader. So you, you've interviewed, as, as we said in the preamble, many, many business leaders on the uh, Voice America business show. Um, what are the sort of the sort of key traits and the common themes that that you've picked up from uh, not just interviewing people but also, of course, working with them as, as part of your day-to-day job?
1: Oh, my word. There's, there's just... It's just so
2: many and, and
1: um, you know maybe cover some of these in a little bit more detail later on but I think what I've, I've really sensed with a lot of people is they have got a real deep sense of purpose you know they're really trying to achieve something and, and and I forgot when that last question John you know I was just thinking actually one of the things that really got me into this too is I love rock music and rock bands and and as a child uh, as well, from 14 onwards, I would go to many concerts and see people who just had, you know, the audience in the palm of their hand. And I think, um I think, you know, there's passion. There was a real clear sense of of drive, you know, having a very clear vision and a journey to take people on. Uh, I think a, a sense of self-belief as well, you know, that uh, what they're talking about and where they're taking people, you know, there is not Never Never Land. It does actually exist. And, and that confidence is uh, passed over to others. I think these people also have the ability to be, you know, calm when there's a storm. You know, when everybody else is panicking, they're right. able to, you know, able to hold the fort and, and 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 manage the situation when others actually fail. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about lead this. This conversation is about leading people, but you know, you, what you've got to be able to do. This is not just a cerebral um, process. You know, you tell people what to do and you give them. A direction you have to actually capture their heart as well, and I think if right. you can do that, you get so much more from people. And um, I think the guests that I've had, many of the guests I've had on the show, and some in particular stand out in my mind. They're also you're know, more interested in in you as an individual than, than necessarily trying to be interesting themselves. I think the best ones, and uh, I mean, those are some of the characteristics. But there's many. Also, John, they get things done. <laughs> sure, thing? sure.
2: They just talk about it. They get things done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, now that, that that's interesting. Certainly, the your line, which I know one of your guests has come up with, about be more interested than interesting. I.e., if you take a real interest in people, that's going to engage even the most hard-hearted of uh, of, of, of people in teams. But you, you, you talked about getting things done. Now, of course, um, I think this might be a theme that we return to a few times during the uh, during the course of this interview. But of course, you've written a book about that, which is called "The Power to Get Things Done." Whether you feel like it or not, um, and um, and listeners will be interested to know that Chris was interviewed just this week by the BBC. Uh, and um, although the interview wasn't about his book, Chris was there to talk about engagement. The, the the interviewer from the BBC was much more interested in the book, which was which was really quite interesting. So from the book, Chris, which I know you took an awful long time to to uh, to. To really think through about some of the lessons you've learned through your career and some of the people that you've had the good fortune to come up against, and and you you talk about in the book, um, what what are some of the key lessons in there? Because obviously getting things done, as you've just alluded to, that that's a real hallmark of leaders, the ones who achieve and 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 get things done that the rest of us may not be able to uh, to accomplish. So, what are the key lessons that you can share with listeners from your book? Well, a very, there's some very
1: you know simple messages in there, but I think important ones. So I think you know if you want to get things done, firstly, you need to be clear about what it is and what's important. So what are your intentions? What are the, the important things that you must do to take you to where you want to be? So I think one of the things is to sometimes you need to say no to things because they're not going to take you to where you want to go. But yeah. I think the, the premise for the book, I, I realized, and so did my uh, Dr. Stephen Levinson, who wrote the book with me was a clinical psychologist, um, I mean, he was having challenges working in big hospitals and seeing people, you know, saying they were going to sort their their obesity out, or they were going to stop taking sugar, or stop taking alcohol, or or drugs, or whatever it was, and then they were back to see see him a few months later, not having made any change. And right. I think it's the same in in business as well. Is that for for most of us, we're not wired to necessarily follow through with what we need to do. Where we do the things we like, and we avoid the things that we don't like. And there's a lot more pressure involved in doing things that we don't like doing or seem difficult or we feel we fear or feel resistance. So a a key sort of principle in the book is that what we have to do is we have to override the desire to uh, to do something else. By making it very difficult for us not to do that task or situation, like it might be a tax return, it might be, you know, following a strategy to it might be ringing a difficult customer up. So we could put a strategy in place, like tell lots of people, or me, me, and I might tell you, John, that I'm going to ring this person on Monday morning. That puts more pressure on than not doing it. We sure. might, if, if it's a tax return, we don't want to do. It. We might say to the kids. Right, on Sunday, I'm going to take you to that theme park that you've always wanted to go to. Oh, brilliant, Dad, that's so exciting. I want to yep. go to the theme park, looking forward to it. However, um, I'm only going to take you if I get my tax return done on Saturday. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, it's about putting in different strategies and, and talking to people through the show, you know, that from world record holders to to amazing business people to, you know, um, people like, like ourselves who are just going through, Um, you know the world trying to make it make a difference we have to put in manual strategies to ensure that we do the things that we don't like that are important done
2: sure so that example you gave is i think i remember it from the book about kind of burning your bridges so you've made a commitment a really important commitment to somebody in this case it's to the kids Uh, and then you've actually set yourself a challenge that that you've you've burnt the bridge really you can't let them down so you're gonna have to get your tax return completed on saturday night is that would, would that sum it up yeah, you, you need to find a strategy that will work for you. So that's that's an example of a strategy. Another
1: one, you know, people employ coaches. Hey, it's also okay to uh, delegate tasks that you're not very good at, I don't like doing. Too many people hold on to tasks and try and do everything themselves when actually there's somebody who'd love to do that task and they'll do it three times quicker. So that's also a strategy. Um, but people, you know, create all sorts of situations and scenarios. You know, John, we're... We've got, we've got a, a big event on, on Tuesday, which is about engagement. Sure. And uh, you know we've done that because uh, we need to – you know, want to help more people to build really engaged organizations. And we'd love the area we're in, the Midlands, to be the most engaged county in the country where it's not got problems with staff retention or massive absenteeism that's happened in the local <laughs> council and things like that. We want to help and contribute. So how do we help with that vision? We put ourselves under pressure by booking a venue and inviting lots of people to it. Which means that we have to act and move towards our dream. We can't wiggle out of that because we've now booked it and we've told everybody about it.
2: Sure, yes, exactly. A lot of people are coming along, and and the expectation is on is on us to deliver. So, so you mentioned there about delegation. Just just quickly, as we move towards uh, a break, how do how do people who are just setting up a business and maybe there's only two or three people, so there aren't there aren't exactly a wealth of riches to delegate to. How do they decide on the on the best course of action to take? And I, I know that's something again you address in your book. Well, I think you have to decide on what needs to be
1: done. We, we we'll probably talk a bit later about in you know, the system that we've got for building complementary teams. And you know, the reality is by understand we need to understand ourselves and understand where we're in flow as an individual and the things that we we like to do. And there are some things that um, we either can afford to delegate or we need to find a cheaper route. You know, a less expensive route for someone else to do it for us, or I'm afraid when you've got a small business, you've just got to get it done, and that's one of the reasons many small businesses fail because people are just not in their flow doing the things they need to. They avoid doing the things they need to to run a business. So, I'm afraid if if that's the situation, there are tasks that you've got to do that are important. Then you need to put in place strategies that mean you will act. So maybe you'll go and present the findings to something, and you book that in with somebody in a week's time, or you. Um, you know, you uh, tell tell us uh, your coach, if you've got a coach, you know that you're going to achieve this by X or your mastermind group or whatever it is. And you find ways to put yourself under pressure. So you have to act.
2: Sure. And, and I know you've got an example um, which we can we can share with listeners uh, after the break about somebody who put in one of, one of your interviewees from the uh, from, from the past on the show. Who, who gave themselves a really scary task to uh, accomplish, and um, I think that's a, the, uh, the lady I was thinking of was Meta Block. So maybe we can we, we can talk to people uh, after the break about that one because that's a that's a fascinating example.
1: Yeah, yeah, as yeah. a, fo- a following through hero. Well, yeah, let's talk about that one when it com-
2: comes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So the um, we're just going to move towards uh, a, a commercial break um, in uh, in a, in, a, in a few seconds. So. Everybody stay tuned because after the break, we're going to really start getting into the nitty gritties of what are the sort of, you know, if, if we could only list five or six particular areas of uh, of, of common traits for great leaders that, that, that you've come across, Chris, what are they? And, and how do you actually go on and make that happen? So um, everybody stay tuned because we're just up and running and we're going to be back in a couple of minutes after the commercial break. Speak to you all soon.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel you were tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
2: Well, welcome back, everybody. And for those of you expecting to hear Chris's voice, who maybe weren't tuned into the first part of the show, it's John Jennings here. I've turned the tables on Chris. I'm... Chris's business partner, uh, and Chris is sharing with everybody um, the the accumulated wisdom of years of how to lead people effectively, not only from the guests he's interviewed on the Voice America Business Elevation Show, but also the uh, the leaders that Chris works with day to day. So, Chris, we we had a fascinating discussion on um, what you what got you interested in people in leadership and leadership, uh, and and some of the ex- extracts from your book where it talks about how people can. Uh, the, get things done, the power to get things done, whether you feel like it or not, which is a, a great sort of leadership trait. Um, so we promised everybody before the break that we were going to look at maybe five or six areas um, and start to drill down into, you know, if you could list five or six areas of leading people that were important, what what would they be top line?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I think the, the the first point, I think, is, is you've got to be you know the best version of yourself you've got to bring the best of you to your job every day and you know that takes a, a bit of working on you know particularly if anybody here people who are listening here from the uk uh, we're not always the most energized bunch but when people are energized when they've taken the time to uh, to to get themselves in a good state before they're going to work that can be that that's you're a really powerful and and i think um you know, this is all about living your own values as well and your own um, principles and beliefs. You've also got to be able to, you've got to win over the hearts and minds of people. And, and it's not just about the head, it's about the heart. And therefore that takes some techniques to be able to do that. I think you have to enable enable people to be really clear about where you're going and uh, and help them with some of the, the steps to get there. So, um, you know, some people will need a lot of support with that, but setting out that kind of vision will uh, will engage people Um really important you know h- hiring people the right people but but building your team and uh, you're putting people into flow so that actually they're in the right roles so we sure. do a lot of works with a system around that so we can talk about that John and then sure you put lots of energy in and um, so you actually you lead you leading I've read, read a book by John C Maxwell and you know he talks about you know, building that momentum uh, and, you know, being prepared to stand out to the front and lead the charge, really. Um, so you're not just, you, you know, other people are saying, gosh, he's leading, he's moving things forward, so can I. And then then um, I think John also mentions this in his book, too, and I completely and utterly agree with this. You've got to try and help people to really want to self-develop. And, and I think in, in the UK, we're not particularly good at that. And America, probably better. But you know, we want people like in Daniel Pink's book, who are you know, self-motivated. They want to learn. They want to, they want to um, become better and improve um, because they see the benefits in their work, in their life, in their future. And we've got to help build people up as a leader so that they, um, they operate in that way.
2: OK, so a lot of great points there. Um, going back to the beginning, the first thing you mentioned, Chris, was about energising people. So, so how 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 have you seen that done best? Is that all about purpose and values, or are there other tricks to the trade?
1: Um, I think I think um, you know, purpose and values is just so important. Is you know, what are, what is your personal purpose? And what are you engaged by? Because then you're authentic. Um, you, you know, in your being yourself. So I think a leader should try and be the, the very best version of the self themselves that they can be. And, and I, I, I did an exercise with my family. I wanted to build more engagement into my family. And, um, uh, and I, I, we created over Christmas a set of, of values and also a vision. Uh, and my purpose is about enabling others to realize their potential. So I realized I had to do that with my family too. And uh, you know, the, the upshot of that is we now have these values that we can talk about. And one of those is kindness. And kindness is important to us as a family, and so we talk about that. My children are eight years old and eleven years old, and um, we're always talking about how can we be more kind. How can we be, you know, better as a team? And some examples of that is we've already we went out um, for a visit in a place called Stratford upon Avon, and my kids uh, saw that there was homeless on the streets. They were very upset by that. Some of my kids said, "Dad, you know, could we buy them something to eat?" And as as the leader. Um, you know, and kindness being one of our values, yes, we bought them something to eat. Then my son started getting into something called, on Netflix called The Kindness Diaries, a guy called Leo um, Logothetis who goes around the world um, sort of spreading kindness, and um, my son so loved that that I, I... I as a leader of the family, I decided to surprise him. So I contacted um, Leon. He's coming on the show in a couple of months' time. Had a chat with him. And within uh, a sort of couple of weeks of uh, watching those programs with my son, my son was having a, a 10-minute conversation with his hero, wow. Leon. So, you know, that, that but that's an example in the family. What can you do with that if you're bringing the best of yourself into your business um, and you, you're living your values and you see the importance of values? They're not just something that's sitting on the wall. Um, that's powerful. That's engaging. That's leading people.
2: Great. So, so that's the that's leaders sort of that's leading by example and helping to energise people by saying, you know, follow follow me, see, see what I do, not necessarily just what I say. And and you also mentioned, uh, interestingly, winning over hearts and minds. Well, can and I also how- do, yeah yeah? So
1: to also just go back on that point that you made there, because sure. I think what you need to try and do is not about. It's about leading the way, but it's actually enabling those people to bring out the best version of themselves. Sure. So some of those people um, may just be happy to be, you know, a follower. They don't necessarily want to be a leader. But what you want to, uh, because it's not in their nature or their style. What you want to do is to bring out the best in their personalities and their experience and their history and their values. So um, you know they feel energized because they're being themselves
2: and not trying to be you. Sure. And, and that links very nicely into the hearts and minds question. How do you go about winning over people's hearts and minds? Well, we, we talked a little bit
1: earlier about, um, we we talked before about Marshall Thurber, who I interviewed on the show, who was very interested in me after the show, which surprised me, actually, uh, how this really successful man was asking me loads and loads of questions. And I think to win hearts and minds, you have to be, uh, you know, more interested than trying to be interesting. You you just yeah. about coaching people it's about listening to them it's about understanding what's going on with them at home we've got this whole world at home everybody in an organization that we maybe don't delve into enough because those are impacting performance and if we can create an environment where we're actually helping people through some of their personal problems too rather at at work and they're going to be happier in their in their job And, and i think you can win hearts and minds by it's an emotional connection it is about listening it's about caring it's about bringing good principles into the way that we do, do business. It's not all about, you know, drive, 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 and uh, people working huge hours, and, you know, they will work huge hours if they're engaged and their hearts and minds are connected anyway. They'll probably do that because they'll be happier doing that than anything else, but you want to you manage that too so their other lives don't suffer. But I think you've got to create that connection. It's no good just to, to tell people and, and, and they go and do and um, there's all sorts going on for people, and you get more out of them by you know by caring and uh, listening and being interested remembering important things to them like their birthdays those things all start to 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 build up
2: sure okay do you have, do you have any uh, examples you can share with the listeners of of, of where you've sort of um you, you've seen somebody else either winning over hearts and minds and and perhaps persuading people to a course of action that they might not have otherwise taken, and, and which was the right thing to do, but maybe felt like they're difficult at the time.
1: Well, uh, just one that actually has immediately come to my mind. I spent—I just had a real, real privilege as a family. We spent uh, a few days with um, a, a show guest who's coming up soon, David Fox Pitt, who owns uh, an amazing organisation. Um, him and his wife Joe, um, called Wild Fox Events, and. And what they do is they put on these incredible events up in Scotland, the Loch Ness Marathon and the Glencoe Marathon. They right. something called the Artemis. Um, I think it's the old Kindrocket, uh Quadrathlon, which is four incredible events of uh, Sounds swimming, painful. running and hiking. And and what he's done is um, he's engaged people in such a way that thousands of people over 17 years have been through these different events and activities have raised enormous amounts of money for charity, and and I, what I love about uh, David is when you talk, and I'm we're t- I'm talking to him at the moment about a, a really exciting project, and you know David's David's mind isn't about how much money he can make; it's about actually what's the opportunity cost in terms of you know the contribution we're going to make to charity, to the world, to helping people if we don't do this project, and that really starts to captivate your heart and mind and his projects have delivered over 40 million pounds of value to projects so you know talk about hearts and minds Is me now thinking gosh i probably need to i need to do one of these quadrathlons um (laughs) and you know i'm kind of uh you know into this because it's you know it's connected me at an emotional level with what he does and i think we've had a former guest on the show lisa mcleod who talks about noble purpose about getting to that true essence of what you do and i think that captures hearts and minds as well. An example of the you know, President Kennedy talking to the man sweeping up uh, at uh, NASA and him saying, "What do you do?" and he said, "Well, um, I'm trying to put a man on the moon, Mr. President." You know th- that um, captures with your, you know, your heart because um, you realise you're doing something deeper and more important than just sweeping up in a warehouse. Sure,
2: sure. Now, some of that that you just talked about kind of leads into the uh, another point you made. Um, around the five or six areas of leading people, and that was around setting the right course with a with a, a clear vision. Have, have you got any ex- examples about uh, how you how you've seen that done well? Well, I, th- I think there are.
1: Yeah, I've seen that many times in in talking to people uh, around um, business, and uh, and I remember talking to a, a guy from who turned around Lamborghini and Porsche and BMW. I think it was in the the UK. Um, uh, Kevin McGaskell, and uh, you know he talked about you know putting us the, the vision on the on the wall, and and that's the most important thing to do on one page, and helping people move towards that. What, what I've also you know, I think the people who do it particularly well are people who are you know, maybe in life or death situations. So it's they really are burning their bridges. And you know you and I are spending time on on Monday and Tuesday with Mick Dawson, who. Who's been on the show? Mick he's the most, I think, the most accomplished ocean rower probably in history. He he rowed seven thousand miles um, from Japan to the North Pacific, so on the coast of North Pacific to San Francisco, seven thousand miles in a rowing boat. Um, took one hundred and eighty-nine days. Third attempt. Um, he he sixteen days a typhoon um, stopped him. At hundred days, he sank. Um, but you know he had to set a very clear vision, and he decided that he had to do this event with somebody else because on his third attempt, having tried it twice, rowing two hours on, two hours off, he wasn't going to succeed. Um, but you know he had to make adjustments. He had this clear vision. He had a support team, all sorts of people around him uh, in the background who were kind of helping this mission. But they had to f- they had to move towards that vision, which was to get to San Francisco, and they had to keep adjusting all of the time. Um, you know, for, for various situations and scenarios. Indeed, his father even sadly passed away when he was 50 days away from San Francisco. Wow. Um, you know, that, to me, is a, an amazing example of sort of setting the course with a clear vision. Uh, and we have to do that for for people. Uh, oh, by the way, I'd recommend the, the book. It's an amazing read. It's called Rowing the Pacific in the UK. I think it's got a different title in the US, but it's, it's a brilliant book. Um, I, I I couldn't sleep um, for a few nights. I just had to read it
2: all. <laughs> Well, I know exactly what you mean because, of course, I I borrowed the book off you. So uh, having read it, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck, some of the things that that, that Mick uh, has done and what an inspirational – and, of course, course Mick's been in the military, in the Royal Marines, um, and leadership is a huge, huge uh, subject and a huge uh, issue for the the military because it's all about leadership and and people following the leaders into situations that that they certainly wouldn't go into – if it weren't for, for great leadership.
1: Well, I think what they do too is, and, you know, talking to these people, and, and David Fox-Pitts the same, because he, he was, went through the SAS uh, training, and you know, what I think these people seem to have is in those situations, because they are life or death, they build camaraderie that you just don't really see. Uh, they they show the potential of camaraderie and um, because they've got to have each other's backs. They've got to manage their egos. They've got to support and care for each other. Um, um, to protect themselves because because their life is on the line, and I know it can be difficult for these people then to adjust when they they come into the business world because they don't see it as being that way, and it's more um, it's more about um, making making profit and revenue, and sometimes at the expense of employees. And um, but I think they they have a unique skills which can really help them get things done because they don't fear the barriers. They they move ahead anyway, by doing what is right, and, sure. and they have an idea as to where. Engagement and, and leading people can really uh, go to, and I think we can learn an awful lot from them.
2: Sure. Now we, we promised listeners at the end of um, the the first part that that we'd share that story about getting things done from leadership, and you, you had that amazing story of Meta Block, which you could share.
1: I I I, I just I just love Meta. we she's a, she's a great family friend now, and and I just love this example, uh, which meta did was she wanted meta wanted to uh, add more humor into her speaking and she's because she's a prolific speaker now after winning two world championships uh, a number of years ago and so so what would you do to add more comedy john you know maybe what would you do i mean if you wanted to to learn a bit of comedy
2: well i don't know really um i I know what meta did and it was extremely brave so (laughs) um it's kind of yeah she Properly burnt her bridges.
1: Well, she did. I think. I think what most people would do, and I, you know, I, I forgot actually. You, obviously, you know the story. Yeah. Um, but most people might they might go and watch some comedians on the TV, go and see some comedians. They might, even if they were brave enough, they might find a, a you know, comedy uh, sort of training course they could go on. Not meta. Meta booked a 1,300 seat conference hall in Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen because she's a celebrity in Denmark. She sold like, every single seat to do a one woman stand up comedy show, which she delivered. Uh, and she had about, you know, four or five months to learn how to do stand-up com- comedy to do that. I mean, that really is burning your bridges.
2: Properly, yeah. And, it, and I, I do remember it, it had a happy, happy ending as well.
1: It, it did did have a happy ending. And I think, you know, as a, for businesses, we can learn that maybe setting up events for people in our team to present, you know, progress on uh, on projects, for example, can be a brilliant way to... Uh, to get them to uh, you know, move things forward quicker because they feel energized. They've got a deadline. You know, we, all, we all kind of respond usually to uh, to deadlines. I know people like Google, they, they have these things called goat rodeos where they suddenly, actually um, an opportunity comes in to pull people together at short notice to solve a customer problem. So they're over the weekend, they're working hard trying to get a solution in a short period of time and energizes and bring pe- people together. So you know, these strategies are really good.
2: Sure. And... I think, again, we're, we're coming fairly close to our, to our next break. Um, there was, there's a couple of examples that, that you've made me think of as well, which we can, we can share after the break. One concerning uh, uh, a very famous guy in the US, Ken Blanchard, uh, who I've had the privilege of meeting and, and, and listening to. Um, about It's back to your original point, Chris, about being the best version of, uh, of yourself. Um, and uh, and and Ken, who's now—I oh, guess he must be in his mid 70s uh, has, has practiced a particular methodology, which um, uh, I'm sure quite a few of our U.S. Uh, listeners will have, will have heard about. So we'll, we'll talk about that after the break. Um, and then we've, we've so far we've managed to get through about half of the the five or six areas of leading people that you mentioned at the at the top of this section. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those. So. After the commercial break, everybody, please stay tuned. That's coming up in, in a few seconds, because um, we'll talk about all that and more, and uh, also about where engagement fits into um, to leading people effectively. So uh, stay with us, and we'll be straight back after the commercial break.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
2: So welcome back everybody and uh, those who didn't listen to the first two parts of the show I'd have to say where, where have you been? You've missed some gems. It's actually John Jennings interviewing turning the tables on Chris on Chris Cooper and interviewing Chris and the subject we've been discussing today is how to lead people effectively based on the huge amount of knowledge and experience Chris has of uh, not only helping people to lead their teams effectively and, and the results that that produces uh, but also of course from the the Great and the good that Chris has interviewed on uh, the Voice America business show, which uh, we're absolutely delighted that you've tuned in to listen to uh, today. So without more ado, just before the break, uh, I promised everybody just to share a little story. um, And the context of that was around being the best version of yourself if you if you are to effectively lead people. Uh, And I had the great pleasure of of meeting and listening to Ken Blanchard, who will be well-known particularly to listeners in the U.S. and also around the world, because Ken, amongst other books, has produced the One Minute Manager, which has sold millions and millions of copies in lots of languages all around the world. Um, And uh, Ken still practices the same. He's led companies as well as being an incredibly successful speaker and motivator uh, and and leader. Ken has has also produced... um, uh, several other books, as well as uh, The the One Minute Manager. Uh, and he still starts his day in the same way, and that's what really stuck with me from a story he told when I went to see him in a big conference in London. He's an early riser, Ken. And he will get up in the morning and he will just have some quiet time, a little bit of meditation. He'll think through the challenges of the day, how he's going to be the best version of himself for his people. And then he'll set off on the road into the office and 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 take that positivity uh, and that, that from that quiet time that he's picked up. and, and that's always stuck with me that um, if you've got a really hectic, particularly hectic day coming up, then it's worth uh, being an early riser, thinking through the day. Putting yourself in a positive frame of mind, and that transmits its energy to your people. So I thought that was a great story that that uh, Ken shared when I saw him a couple of years ago. Well, I think so, I think John, I think John, with that, you know, we one,
1: one of the things I really noticed, you know, with, with the people I've interviewed, is they all had different strategies of doing that, and um, that the key thing is that you have a strategy that you to, you have to get yourself before you get into that office in a really good productive place or before you're doing something which is important like an interview you've got to get yourself into the right zone and that might be that it's meditation it might be that you read a book it might be that you play the guitar It might be that you go in the garden just be grateful for the world around you and um, but whatever you do as a leader if you're leading people get yourself in that positive state don't turn up into the office and um, feeling low or feeling sad because people will pick up on that energy Sure. So it's your job, you're responsible for yourself, for your own attitude, for your own mood, get yourself into that really productive state.
2: That's great advice. Now that leads really nicely into where we were before the break when we were working through the the, the five or six areas that, that you would listed of, of leading people that were really important um, about being in flow, when you say you get, get that energy that, that you need to... And building teams, complementary teams that are in flow. So, how do you best do that?
1: Yeah, I, 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 you know, we, uh, John, you know, you and I, we spend a lot of time in that area. And I think what I find with uh, with engagement is that, you know, so so the and and uh, and the leadership, you know, it's important that uh, leaders and managers really, really do uh, get engagement. You know, we we know that it has an enormous impact uh, on. On performance, on results financially, on productivity, on on staff retention, etc. So it's important that you you teach people uh, to really to really understand themselves, and you help them to do that. And therefore, uh, and also to understand the principles of engagement and the skills and the like that are involved with engagement, and, and building a complementary team and putting people in flow is a really important principle of that. So. Uh, you know, the, the way that we do this, I think in the last month, I've done three of those. I've got another one coming up, which is a, a program. I use a system called Talent Dynamics. Right. What, what that enables us to do is uh, is to profile ourselves so we understand where we're naturally in our flow as a leader, but also our team as well. And we often see diff- interesting patterns in that. We see maybe have we got the, is the right people in the right jobs or have we got the right mix of team? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I recruiting people that are like myself rather than recruiting to the job description? Um, and therefore, getting that insight about ourselves and where we're not necessarily in our flow is really helpful because I think historically, businesses wanted general managers. They, and They expected you to do everything, but that's not a reality because few people are... General managers able to do everything. They they're particularly good in some particular areas, and less so in others. So, what you do is you build the right complementary team around you and your um, style, your skills and styles to get you to where you need to be. And then when you've got that complementary teams, you know some of our clients, um just absolutely fly because um they've got that blend. Everybody's in the right place. Uh, and then they and they utilise it to recruit effectively as well. And, and so often the wrong people are recruited into the wrong role, you know, into the wrong roles. So make sure you're recruiting, you know, the the right round pegs into the right round holes uh, to um, ensure that you get the most from uh, people. Because if you recruit bad people, it costs money. Are not the right people, and um, but also it interrupts the flow of everybody else.
2: Sure. And I guess you mentioned about understanding when you're in flow the most important person to understand well is yourself. Oh, yes. So as a leader, what sort of examples have you seen of where you've seen leaders who do understand when they're in flow and maybe don't understand what their own strengths and weaknesses are? Well, I had a
1: perfect example where I had a a senior guy who was threatening to leave a business if he didn't get a particular role. The company didn't want him to have the role. Uh, Because they didn't think he was quite right for it. But he was going to go and he got a huge amount of experience. They didn't want to lose him. So I took him, you know, I coach a lot of people as you do. And I took him through this particular process. I used that system. And what he suddenly realized, though uncomfortably, was that he just wasn't suited for the role that he really wanted. And uh, what we were able to do was we were able to look at his natural style, which was much more grounded about managing um, existing relationships. And he loved managing relationships. He knew lots of people. And whereas his other role was about strategy. And what we were able to do was go back to the company with a, and create a role that he would really wanted to do in that company and would be brilliant at it. Right, so, in the end, he stayed with the company he, he they gave him um a role a bigger role actually um doing what he really loved to do, and they were then able to advertise the other job without losing him and everybody was happy you know just a, a perfect example and we've I've had teams as well where they, you know we've done the leader's profile and then they have adjusted the team based upon this and had incredible results gone on to win awards and to increase profits and you know, increased turnover and increased engagement and um, it's absolutely brilliant.
2: Great story. Now, you you mentioned before, in part two, you mentioned about building momentum and my mind went straight on to sports analogies where you see that successful teams, the leader's job becomes not necessarily building the team but maintaining the winning momentum. How do you go about building momentum best, do you think? Well, I think this, again, it's, it's being prepared to go
1: out there and, and really lead and really act and, you know, pave the way. So, you know, I mentioned there, my earlier on my friend David Fox Penn, I want to mention his book, Positive Verosity, because it's a great book. I would recommend you go and buy that. And it's got lots of, if you like, adventure, lots of amazing stories, near-death experiences and things in, in the book, wow. and lots of great tips and and thoughts. And I think, you know, sometimes reading those sorts of things really help people to... To, to move um, forward and build momentum, but a little bit like a you know surfer on a on a on a wave, huge wave. You know when um, you're on that huge wave, you're you're pushed forward, and uh, and, and that wave follows. Uh, what you need to do, I think, is be prepared to you know deal with some of the difficult problems, or you know bring a new big piece of business in, or go and pioneer something that is maybe innovative. And new, and when your team see you do that, and you give them permission to do things like that too, I mean, you know, it creates a wave. You know, you make a move, start a movement in your company for something that's really important, and uh, you energise people a- around that movement. So, I'm afraid, as a leader, you've got to be prepared to stand in front and lead. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, you also mentioned cultures were or creating a culture where where people really want to self-improve, and I kind of picked up on this because um, for the millennial generation, that's been shown by a lot of research to be really important. It isn't just about the money. It's about um, a feeling of self-worth. It's about being able to improve themselves and learn cool new tech stuff, and I'm, I'm a dad to three millennials, and I know that's, that's certainly borne out by what they talk about, about how, how enthusiastic they get about learning new things at... Uh, at work so you also mentioned that we're not particularly good at that in the UK I know that's a a big sweeping generalization but like most generalizations it's generally true so what's your advice about how to create that culture of self-improvement well I I think you know you have to engender that yourself as a
1: leader and it it, you know people maybe maybe catch on I you know, I think of lots of ex- examples. I had the conversation with Nevis last week, and it was actually it was a conversation about an island, but it was a self development conversation about doing things deliberately different. And you could see actually how I could do things deliberately different and be myself and work upon my own history that um, I could go on and achieve more. and And I was surprised; it was a real self development um, as well as a business development conversation. and I think, um, you know, as leaders, we have to own it. It's no, there's just no excuse for not reading books now or listening to audios or CDs or, you know, past versions of this show. It's a treasure trove in there. It's free. Listen, listening to things like that on the way to work to spark new ideas. What we have to do with people, uh, you know, has gone are the days where we just tell people and they do it. Where we get the most from people is where they become self-motivated, where it's coming out of them. I had a wonderful conversation this week with, uh, I may be about to do a piece of work with um, a, a a company in the south of England and the person that I needed to speak to who was uh, responsible for operations there um, was just, it was just the most engaging conversation. She was fascinated in what I was doing. and We talked about things like mindfulness, about how she wanted to bring that into the organisation, how she wanted to uh, develop and, and I was engaged talking with her and but I, I, meet, I meet a few people like that, and I think they stand out as shining jewels in the marketplace over here. But I think if you stand out and, and that it's catchy, it, it, it builds momentum. Other people get intrigued. They they think about um, their own sort of self development too. And uh, David Longs another great one. And my employees, David's been on the show a couple of times. An sure. engagement company. He's he's brilliant at it as well. He's got book clubs in his organisation, um, and you know that he's sorting out people's personal problems as well as the business problems, and it's generating millions of dollars of revenue for them too. So, you know, self development's important. We've got to get over ourselves, particularly here in the UK, when uh, we avoid. Um, reading studying learning improving um, because actually we're we're being a bit ignorant if I'm honest
2: right so clear message to business leaders in the UK get over yourselves guys we need to do more on creating an environment where self-improvement is just part of the uh, of the way we do things around here so Chris as we as we move towards the end of the show no no uh, conversation on leadership would be and, and leading people effectively would be complete without a few words about engagement how do you think that all fits in that's uh, what something think, we are passionate about. Well, it is. I mean, you know, the things that
1: we've talked about, you know, they will build engagement and uh, engagement. We know that companies that are got great engagement, they've got massive uh, um, improvements in terms of their finances, their shareholder value, you know their their retention. you've got to do staff retention. you've got to do these things today. most people are being approached about jobs continuously, and seventy percent of people are open to moving to a new job. so you've got to retain those by building in you know perk systems. Um, ways of leading that really emotionally attach people to your company such that they wouldn't want to go anywhere else Um, so you know, we see this as being really important and I know HR directors around the world and vice presidents see this generally as being important uh, but don't miss a trick here Uh, and that's where we come in John we help organisations to measure engagement, we help them to develop their leaders and managers so they're fit to engage their staff in such a way that it delivers results, value, retention, increased productivity, better well-being. Um, That's what we're on the planet to do. Um, So, you know, we love to help people do that as well. So if you see any opportunities where we can help you, do get in touch.
2: And we've got, uh, indeed, we've got quite a bit of information within the archives of the show about engagement as well, which anybody who's listening to the show now or anybody they know who might be interested in the subject can can tune in and listen to for free. So
1: um,
2: that would be great. So, Chris, we we have almost reached the end of the show. Time flies when you're having fun, and I hope everybody's got a a great deal out of listening to what you've had to say uh, today. Um, What final messages would you like to leave us with and and maybe also let us know about what's on the show next week?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, well, thank you very much, John. That's really appreciated. um, I think the – I'll I'll leave this to say, I know time's tight now. I think a final message, um, that message that the sales director gave me was that people are everything. Whether you like it or not, uh, if you really, really think about it deeply, uh, then uh, it's all about people. It's about serv- servicing people, providing uh, products and services to people. It's about employing people. It's about improving humanity and uh, and the world. Uh, people are absolutely essential. As a leader, you've got to get good with people, even if it's your not na- na- your natural style. And because that's where you're going to get your results to others, you cannot do it all on your own.
2: Chris, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And um, thank you to everybody who's tuned in to listen. Please tune in again next week at the same time for another fan- fascinating conversation with Chris. And uh, don't forget, you can download all this information for free just by going to chriscooper.co.uk. Thank you for listening, everybody, and stay safe.
1: That's great. And for final message, we've got Sean Bradley next week, who's a people director from a company called Perkbox. Remarkable philosophy and experience. This is a Times... Um, uh, one of the best uh, small companies to work for in the UK so do join us for that show
0: we thank you for listening to the business elevation show please join your host Chris Cooper again next Friday at 8 a.m. US Pacific time on the voice America business channel be more achieve more